0: Uh, yeah, I <laughs> should even start with that I've just left the ground it's 4-0 to Brighton um, no way <sighs> going to hang around and watch that um, Shambolic from Everton uh, who knows what the final score is going to be could easily end up 6 or 7 the um, team came to some Park with a clear idea of what they are probably spent a penny on that team moved the ball around fantastically well cut Everton open and credit to them first of you know maybe not first and foremost but credit to them they were uh, they were fantastic tonight Everton dear me, one of the worst performances you'll ever see at Goodison Park um, horrendous setup. up um, horrendous the manager effectively changed the entire setup from the City games. to get Dwight McNeil into the team he was one of the most heartless Everton players I've ever seen in my life um, but he's not the only one tonight. He got he got booed off there, just us coming out. But all of them were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And, listen, I'm not sure what the reaction is going to be like a full time and how many, how many fans are going to be left in that in that stadium. But um, new low for Everton. Um, and there's obviously going to be a lot of focus on Frank Lampard. I don't know if he's, he's going to survive this, but uh, there's a lot of chance for sack the ball out there. And... You know, it was staring everything in the face tonight a, a team that's done everything right In recent years Up against a team that's done absolutely everything possible wrong And they got absolutely smashed <laughs> Absolutely smashed And like I said, who knows what the score's going to be A full-time there But just one of them um, Trains being off and all that Just took the opportunity to get off on a could But horrendous, horrendous And yeah, I'm sure there's some strong words to follow. The Denby Castle. uh, Got Keith and and a Mafflusk and where where did everything go from here? An embarrassing performance. A new road for this football club. Disgraceful. We are back in the Denby Castle. Um, It's five past ten now. Uh, about Probably about an hour since we all left the ground. I've got Mathlusk and Keith Tomlin with me. Flusk has got his head in a glass of whiskey. Brandy. Brandy, sorry, as we speak. Um, Keith Tomlin, I think, is just trying to pretend this isn't going to happen. But we are, are going to have to talk about that, Keith. Uh, Everton beating 4-1 by Brighton. And I, I mean, I think we were all on the show after the 5-2 against Watford last year. Um And we were sort of able to laugh at that a bit, Keith. I remember sitting in, you know, in town after and saying, you know, about the defending, and how it was very Benny Hill and how it was a shocker, but we were probably going to be all right. Um, This was just as bad, but the feeling for me is very, very different given the situation the football club's in and what it feels like awaits us now um, for the rest of the season. Uh, It just, it feels like they've...
1: they've, um... Feels like they've tipped over an edge tonight, doesn't it? Like it, it's it's reached a point where everything up until today—I mean, it didn't look great. It, it looked a bit sort of um, a bit bleak. But you thought, well, the, the result at City looked like it. There are signs of life. There are green shoots of recovery. That tonight was just—I mean, it's hard to it's hard to quantify it, but. I know it's silly saying this on the 3rd of January, but I, I genuinely think they're down. I don't think there's... I, and the, we're not even in the bottom three, but I, genu- I don't think there's a manager that can come in, or I don't think there's a player that they're going to bring in that's going to change the squad enough to arrest the slide. It's just... The last win was Palace in October. Now, granted, there's been a World Cup in between, but I mean, since then, since Palace, look at the results we've had. Look at the games we we got turned yeah. over twice in a week by Bournemouth. We had the Leicester debacle at home um, just before the World Cup. Boxing Day, um, I, I haven't. I saw about ten minutes of Boxing Day, and it was the most turgid football I'd seen in my lifetime until up tonight. until tonight. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll let Matt do a little little summary before we go in-depth and tactical on tonight, but genuinely, I, I don't see how this team, how this squad survives this season. Matt? Yeah. Um, I
2: I take a stance of being philosophical about losses... Even misplaced passes, bad crosses, all of that stuff. When I'm sat there on the ground, I'll sort of laugh it off. And I I see football as a bit of a a pantomime. Some people might think that's a bit silly, but it's my way of not letting it get to me. Um, Tonight, it feels like we've lost the cup final in the sense that it feels like it's the last action of the season. And now we're like, okay, how do we... Go forward from here, what's going to happen, you know, are we going to get a new manager, all that stuff. Because there's all this talk in relegation dogfights about, you know, 10, 12, 13 cup finals to come. It feels like we had one cup final and we've lost it. And that's not to say that tonight was win and we're fine, lose and we're down. But the manner in which that game has happened tonight and the atmosphere in the ground, it was absolutely poisonous Completely justifiably um, I, I left on the stroke of 4-0 and I looked over my shoulder at the pitch as I was going off and almost a, I don't even know what the right metaphor is a ghost at the feast, that's one of your favourite ones Keith, mm-hmm. one, one of the harbingers of doom for us was at 4-0, I looked over my shoulder and I saw Adelaide the core I stripped off ready to come on A man who spent the warm-up before the Man City game sat on a ball. It just feels like everything running through this football club, from the playing staff to the coaching staff, the manager, the director of football, the board, and obviously the owner. It feels like everything running through right now is rotten. And short of some kind of dramatic turnaround, be it a, a new manager with four... Unprecedented signings, you know, throw financial fair play out the window as much as we can. Short of that, I just I can't see a way back.
0: Yeah, one of the other things that I thought was quite sad was that a, a 4 0 as well, um, someone had just thrown out, I believe, Flair onto the pitch. And like it was just like next to Jordan Pickford, and like that was sort of like the symbol of all things good about the Should end of have last season. That for the penalty, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Problem, problem with that is he probably bought that in August, and it was just coming up to its expiry date, so he had to get rid of it. Well, you know, might have to, it you yeah, yeah. have to use it
0: a few. to use But do you know what I mean? Like it was like you think back to the end of last season. Those, unity and those drive, and, and listen, we had. We had an excellent player then who was driving us on in and who sort of helped lift this thing to probably to a level than that it was probably more than actually worth being. But just seeing that that blue flare just, just next to Jordan Pickford, it was like, oh, that was the symbol of the things that were so good and so positive towards the end of last season. Here it is, someone that's just thought, oh, fuck this, I brought this with me. I, I may as well just lash it on now. But, um, I mean, the, we'll, we'll get on to big picture stuff, I'm sure, Keith, a little bit later on, but... The match itself tonight, obviously they go 1-0 up after Nathan Patterson and Conor the playing statues. And we have a I think we're alright actually for the first, for the last 15 minutes of the half. We have a bit of a go. But I was just saying to you guys there, it was almost like they were sort of saying, right, go on, tie yourselves out now. Give us, you know, fly out the traps now, press as much as you want now, and we'll handle it and we'll get through it and we'll go again in the second half. And when we came out after the break, it was just you know, that 15 minutes between us, us starting the game and then going 4-0 up after Gaye played. plays, probably the worst pass I've ever seen. You know, you said to me, it was like Phil Neville against Wigan. I think, think Idrissa Gueye is worse because there is no Everton player anywhere near him. He's just played it blind. It's lazy. It's just, I mean, they, they are, that is probably the worst quarter of an hour I've ever seen. From it's there. The kind uh,
2: of past that, If it comes off, if there's an Everton player there, by some miracle, he gets a big clap. It's like, oh, yeah, what awareness. Even a
0: 3-0 down. What awareness. But but it's not even that. It's just lazy.
2: Yeah, it was. It was completely self-indulgence, which is just, for my part, it's just a a measure of the man and the kind of player we've signed this season. Just completely, completely self-indulgence. Just the worst, the
1: worst signing we could have made as that kind of player. Like Matt was saying to me in the taxi on the way back, it's... um... It's, it's quite telling that there wasn't a single other club in world football interested in signing him this summer. And yet we've given him six figures a week to bring him back because he still knows the door codes at Finch Farm. But, I, listen, I, I, he's not
0: the only one tonight by any means. No, he's
1: not. He's not. And we'll, I'm sure we'll go in on them all step by step. Um, but genuinely, what does he bring to the team? He offers nothing defensively. He can't break play up. He offers nothing going forward. He can't find that killer pass. And on the ball, he's a liability. There were four occasions tonight where he had the ball, felt a bit of pressure, and went to ground. And the referee was having none of it. And normally, I'd be quite irate at the referee. I'd be shouting for a foul. You could see from the stands, none of them were a foul. None of them were, like, an actual Thing where he needed to go to ground and yet he tumbled to ground to try and win a clever free kick and lost the ball in midfield. And every single time he lost the ball, they came straight at us and created a chance. Some of them went, some, um, I think the third led to a goal. There was two in the
0: first half the, the second, that led to shots on goal. The second goal, he, he's very, very weak going in second on the edge goal, of the
1: ball. Yeah, yeah, he lo- loses, like, he's out muscled completely. And you just, you have to ask, why have we signed him? And there was so many people. I mean, I tried to keep my counsel on it at the time because I wasn't keen on the signing for personal reasons, um, which we won't go into. Uh, But football-wise, why have we signed him? What does he offer? What, What has he, like, has he come anywhere forward in the four years since he left Everton that would give us reason to bring him back in and build a midfield around him. Absolutely not. And it's um
2: He's an even worse Gary Medell. And he went down.
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean that this one is entirely on the transfer structure that the club have brought in this season with um Kevin Thelwell and it's it's like Matt said, it's it's up there with our worst
0: ever signings. Um, I, I mean <sighs> It's just, I think the, the thing for me about that one is it, it sort of sums up the entire model recruitment strategy. Because I'm not sure Kevin Fowler is looking at Idrissi going, and I definitely want to bring you into the football club. I'm sure there's probably people around him who want to make that decision as well. But... I um, mean who though? Because up until a couple of
2: weeks ago, there was no one else. We didn't have a head of recruitment, it was all him.
0: Well I think I think I think Bill Kenwright and Farah Sheery have clearly got a role to play in transfers, haven't they? I think that's been that's been clear for a while. But I mean just, just on the game as well, um, tonight, obviously we're a bit all over the place, but um, so many bad performances, Matt. But you know, I think the, the thing for me, I and mean, I you know, I said this when we were in the in the boozer before and that um, obviously we changed the system system tonight, went to a forward to afford the back. Um Ben Godfrey, who I thought was our best player at Manchester City, comes out the team. I, I don't know if that's anything to do with, with his fitness or you know he's not played for a while, whatever. Um, but if he's all right, he's ready to play. He was obviously on the bench tonight. He was warming up quite early on, which would indicate that he was probably ready to come on if if needed. Um, the managers have effectively changed the system to get Dwight McNeil into the team for me tonight. Um, that... I, I don't want to go in too too hard maybe it is the time to go in hard actually um, if not now I've, 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 I've never seen a player with less heart and less desperation to succeed play for Everton you know obviously a lot was made of that video of the referee sprinting past him when Neil Moe plays through on goal <laughs> against Wolves um, which was remarkable in itself but the amount of times that lad gives up on the ball gives up running back gives up running forward Um was you know tonight it was it was shambolic and you know as, as we always say and as Les Roberts always says we are basic bitches as fans we all forgive anybody who runs around puts effort in gives everything for, for the shirt that lad clearly isn't quite there in, in that perspective yeah um, but the whole setup was just completely wrong from the start they get that early goal um, it, it just felt like he could have changed it then he could have changed it after ten minutes and he, and he let it sort of linger we had that little flurry. And then they picked us off.
2: Yeah, um, I've got a quite a long-winded, multi-part response to this. First of all, f- is uh, Ben Goldfrey? You're right. He was the best defender against City, but tonight Frank Lampard made a decision that he was going to play four at the back instead of five, and he's got his two favourite centre halves. Conakodo was eligible again when he wasn't. Um, sorry. Case yeah, yeah, when we play four at the back. Uh, as for Dwight McNeil. I said at the time he was a bad signing. I say now he's a bad signing. His numbers didn't add up last season. I, I mean, I didn't even have anything to say when he signed about his, his speed or anything like that, his work rate, because I hadn't watched enough Burnley games to make that
0: decision. I'm not one of these people who pretends I watch every single Premier League game of every single team. Can I just say as well, quickly, this idea that he's got great work weight is an absolute myth. No, no, It's, it's an absolute myth. The, the lad doesn't run anywhere near us, which he, he okay. cannot be bothered tracking back at all.
2: I agree. I wasn't alluding to any kind of, you know, assumption about his work rate. I didn't know there was such an assumption about his work rate. All I know is what I've actually seen while he's been a play with us. And especially in the first half today, I saw him on one wing and I saw Damari Gray on the other. And it it wasn't even like they were playing different positions, different styles. It's like they weren't even playing the same sport. It, honestly, like Demario Gray, for all his faults, I mean, my favourite line about Demario Gray is one of Recycle from on Josh Sands' which is he's a one trick pony, but it's a fucking good trick, which <laughs> is cut inside, fucking booming into the top corner. Dwight McNeil hasn't even got that. But Demario Gray, the first half especially, he was chasing down lost cause. He was hands down our best player in the first half. And you just compare him to Dwight McNeil, he was giving up on everything. Every time he saw the ball, it'd take him about four seconds to react. And then it was gone before he even broke into a, I won't even call it a sprint. It's more of a canter. It's more of a trot. Like, I just, it's, I just, I don't want to go in too hot. I will. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to go in too hard on him because I don't like to go in too hard on Everton players who are still at the club. But at this point, I don't really see the point in holding back on it. I, I can't understand why a player like that is at this club at all. He's, he's the wrong fit stylistically. He's the wrong fit personality. He's the wrong fit on the numbers, on the stats. There's nothing about him that would ever, ever in a million years, convince you to sign him as an Everton player. So why the hell have we done £20 million on him? It's just, it's completely nonsensical. And I'd love to get Kevin Thelwell in a the room like 10 metres between us for (laughs) safeguarding reasons and everything, and just ask him very calmly with two fellas holding me back saying, why the hell did you sign him? Like, please explain your logic because it just doesn't make any sense at all. And every minute he's on the pitch. And you're right, Lampard did show on him in. And I was saying this at half time. Why are we still persistent with two wingers on the pitch when we haven't got the personnel centre-forward or number 10 to facilitate it. Because we just end up with one centre-forward being completely marked out the game, trying to ping and crosses. either the goalie picks them up or the centre-halves head them away. And we just do it week after week after week after week. The exception was City because we have five at the back and we weren't actually looking to ping in cross, we weren't looking to attack, really. But against opposition like Wolves, against opposition like Brighton, why do we persist with this two-wingers thing? Because it's just... Anyone, anyone can see it's not working. And at half-time, even before the debacle the of the 4-0 deficit and 4-1 final results, even then I was saying I'm running out of reasons to defend Lampard because he keeps going with it. And I just can't understand how in a million years it's ever going to work. And to change the entire team, like you said, to accommodate Dwight McNeil coming in, it just... It feels like we put ourselves two goals down before we even
1: kicked off. Right, we're going in. <laughs> we're going in. Um, so I set lower Bullens, just about on halfway. Right? So obviously, first half, I, was, um, I had Dwight McNeil playing on, on our side of the pitch. He was breathing out his arse after 10 minutes. Mm. He's a professional footballer who couldn't get back to defend a counter-attack after 10 minutes of a football match. That's unforgivable, right? He doesn't want the ball. He looks terrified of the ball. He looks to get rid of it at the first like He doesn't look to go forward at any point. He always looks to cut back, mm. give the ball back to the fullback. He doesn't move off the ball. He doesn't make space. He doesn't try and show for the ball. He's... Like we, I mean, we've mentioned his pace... His pace is just non-existent. Fullbacks, when they see the mark in him, must think, this is my lucky day. This is is like, I'm going to have the easiest 90 minutes of my life here, right? Every, what, 20 games, he's going to twat one in from 20 yards and look good for a split second. He offers nothing. He offers absolutely nothing. And like Matt said, why have we gone and signed him? when we had much more glaring issues in the team this season than bringing in another <sighs> recently relegated winger <laughs> to plod up and down the line. Bloody hell, go and get McGee D back. At least he was quick. <laughs> Stick like super glue Yannick Balassi's oh. knee back together and give him
0: a game. Well that lad that you oh. like, that lad, he ripped us apart tonight Mataruma, you probably cost what? Three know. times less than I McNeil. Seen,
1: seen the thing, saying there was um there was like all four of Brighton's goal scorers cost a combined £5.6 million. And we've dumped £20 million quid on Dwight McNeil. I don't know if it's £20 million quid. I don't know about anything about figures. That's the one that everyone says, so it's what we'll go with. But I can forgive an Everton player having a bad game, right? I can forgive an Everton player having 10 bad games. What I cannot forgive and what no Everton fan can forgive is a lack of effort and a lack of intensity and desire to win a football game. He didn't look arsed. From the first minute to the last, he did not look arsed. Do you know what the one, I'll say this as well, he wasn't the only one. He was not the only one. There was a lot of them out there that just did not look like they wanted to be on that football pitch tonight, right? After the fourth goal went in, we were, we were halfway through going when, it, when they scored because um, we were just getting ourselves together after the third to try and get out. And they scored the fourth that quickly afterwards that it was just, we had to watch it, unfortunately. Um, so we, st- we stopped, stopped at the top of the stairs for a few well-chosen words and got off. But what I noticed was after the fourth goal went in, there was ten players on that pitch stood there with their heads down. Didn't look arsed, didn't look like they wanted to be there. Looked completely and utterly demoralised. And like Matt's pointed out earlier, Damari Gray, who stood on the halfway line, bollocking every single one of them for a lack of passion. I know we, I know passion's a good buzzword, but we laugh, but we laugh at oh, yeah, the passion we want, pa-, right? But that's what it was. There was Nobody wanted to be part of that team tonight. Nobody wanted to win that football game. They just they, they didn't care. They're not, they don't give a shit they're going to get their pay packet at the end of the day. They're going to go home to the nice houses. They're going to relax. They're going to have a week off now and then they're going to go again on Friday with a, um, with a cup dim. God, <laughs> sorry to bring that up for anyone listening. <laughs> for anyone going to Manchester on Friday with a lack of trains and an eight o'clock kick-off time and all that, you have my utmost sympathy because I tell you what, I will be doing anything but watching Everton on Friday because um, I'll like, probably be here <laughs> I say that I'll probably be sat next to Matt um, Genuinely like if they can't be asked about us why should we be asked about them and this feeds into a big thing and a big reason why I think we're going down is last season the fans dragged Everton over the finish line right the fans got themselves up for it they made the effort they came out in their droves every single time clap the bus in big, can, big show of support for the team that's not happening this year all that's left there's no desire left amongst the fan base there's no like vision of something good coming out of it all that's left is apathy and anger and
0: that's not going to get a team over the line. It's like that you can only go to that place as a fan of thing like once every yeah. few years, can't you? Really? Like, yeah. Especially you know if you were challenging for cups and stuff, you could do that obviously every single week. But when it's like you know, and you think back to how exhausting that was last year and the way in which we also went through it, and like you know, the, the, I remember the physical and mental toll it, it, it took on me, and uh, you know how knackered that was over the summer after it all. Like, are are people going to go there again? first and foremost and even if we do manage to muster up and go there again where's, where's our Richarlison now where's, where's our elite forward who's going to drag us over the lines and that, that, that is the worry for me it's like, like last season when we were in this situation people were saying to me you'll be fine you know, you've got Richarlison you've got Carvalho, and you've got Pickford you've got good players there you know no one's saying that anymore. Everyone's like, mm, yeah, you, you probably are going to be struggling. You probably are about where you're going to be. You, you do look like a relegation side. And I think when everybody else is saying that, that's, that's when you start to get really worried.
1: Yeah, there's there's nothing left in the tank. It's, um, it's akin to... Um, do you remember when uh, in between getting Ancelotti in um, and Duncan Ferguson took charge yeah. for a few games... And he basically... There was nothing tactical about that Everton team. It was blood and thunder. It was bottled up energy and a release for a short period. You can do it so many times. Yeah. And then it just... It wears thin. And all that's left is exhaustion and disappointment. And I can't do it again. I I can't... Like... I'd love... I'd love to emotionally detach from Everton at this point and just say, look... Do you know what? 30-odd years I've been watching this football club. R- retire from everything. I'd love to just knock it on the head. I can't. We're stuck with it. And it just feels like, at the moment, we are we are the band on the upper deck of the Titanic playing some jaunty tunes on the trombone <laughs> while it sinks. And we're all going to our watery graves and... It's, it's, you just got to accept your fate, really, isn't it? It's, it's something about being an Evertonian. It's just fatalism. How do we How do we get out of this? Is there a way? I'd, I'd love somebody to know. We should have a phone in on this, shouldn't we? Really, <laughs> a live phone in suggestions for turning Everton round. Because at the moment, you know all, all I've got is a can of petrol and a box of matches, and just burn the whole bloody thing to the ground and get into something more fulfilling. I can't wait for the summer and the cricket coming back, you know, cuz at least then, <laughs> at least then they're not going to like make you want to jump in the bath with a toaster.
2: I mean, have you watched the England cricket team recently?
1: Oh, they're amazing. They're no, no, I mean
2: <laughs> Sorry, sorry. When I say recently, I mean in the last 10 years. <laughs>
1: I've watched
0: the last 2 years and it's well, been great. <laughs> basketball all the way. <laughs> I mean, what, what does happen now, Matt? Le- who, Le- who, Le- who, who's going to be our Ben Stokes? Who's going to be our Brendan McCullum to, to, to I mean, if you don't like cricket, I'm sorry for those references. and You probably won't get them. But how are we getting out of this now? Because the manager doesn't survive this, does he? You know, you, you, you can't... City was was <coughs> determined. It was, you know, diligent. It was a bit of a fluke, maybe, if we're being brutally honest with that goal. Um, but that that tonight, the way which the team played, the way the fans reacted the way in which this Everton board operates Frank Lampard surely the survivor well first
2: off um, I disagree with calling City a fluke it was a out of the blue goal but we still had to hold our own for 101 minutes of football so we earned that point we deserved that point in terms of who's our who's our Ben Stokes I think it's quite clear that's Tom Davis um, <laughs> in terms of who's our Brendan McCullum I don't know um, I'm inclined to agree that the manager probably doesn't survive that, but as to who would replace him, I mean, again, I say at this point, I'm Can not we go and
0: get Brendan McCall.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't, I don't know who would really.
0: Um, I mean, make the difference, but Keith showing us pic- uh, tweets saying it should be Nuno, Fellwell. No, not no. sure. Yeah,
1: somebody's tweeted they are. If he goes with the farewell connection, it'll be Nuno within 24 hours. And genuinely, I cannot have that horrible deviant with his fried egg-stained
0: beard. He's got a job somewhere, hasn't he, he already? He's working somewhere right now, I'm sure. I don't don't know where, but, I mean, going back to the... I mean, what's happening now, Matt?
2: Right, I don't care where Nuno's working. That's just sparked something in my brain. First person to get the sack should not be Lampard, it should be Thelwell. If you've got a director of football structure and it's this bad, and we can pinpoint two players tonight who were the absolute worst of the worst, and they are this season signings, Kevin Thelwell needs to be the first person to leave.
1: Can we just get rid of all of
2: them? Yeah, can we just get rid of
0: this director
1: of football experiment? Every single one of them. Again, that's what England Cricket did. Everybody went. (laughs) What I'll say... Look so at this director uh, of football experiment.
2: It's
0: such a weird modern thing. Everyone just it's, it like this normal thing. We don't do it properly. We, we have a director of football and they are always a bastardised version of the director of football.
2: No, no, no I disagree. I disagree. I, Marcel Brands was a quintessential professional director of football. It's the only thing he's ever been other than a player.
1: But he wasn't allowed to, but he wasn't allowed to do his job. He wasn't allowed How to do we do do know?
0: Because Masiri signed players based on agents who he was friends with and he brought in managers who he wanted and he also got rid of marco silva despite director of football wanting to keep him okay two things on that one we
2: don't know that's a fact two if it is a fact hang on one we don't know that's a fact because football journalism and reporting is all very speculative and stuff two if it is a fact ticket is given then he should have resigned two years before he actually got sacked because if he's not been allowed to do his job why the hell is he casting a cheque every month I would feel completely degraded in that job I would go, I would go to somewhere like PSV but that's not on him Everson,
0: given, Everson gave him a new contract
2: and I've, then sacked I've, him he was later. shite or he was ineffective and had no say either way he was useless so what the hell is the point in actually having the role there I just I, just, I can't get on board with it at all I just can't like I, maybe I'm just a dinosaur you know in my advanced 31 years I just remember the heady days of David Moyes where you had a coach you had a manager and he went that's the player I want that's the style I want to go and get them. But all of this structure above them now with recruitment stars and well, all Bright, of these Bright, Look at, look at like Brighton, that.
0: who come here tonight and are absolutely flying. And, and teams like Brentford. You know, th- th- <sighs> that, 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 that's, that's... You know, well, we've said this before at the back them, a look, bad defeat. And like, we've
2: said this before about the likes of Leicester and stuff like that. And they come and go. And, but but Leicester, just, Leicester have won two major trophies in the last five years. Oh, I know, but you know, one of the major trophies with, with the guy, we appointed as director of football. We appointed and he was the director. fucking chanter he stood there in the middle of Milan with a Lionel Hutz
0: briefcase. Pretending <laughs> he was going to sign players. <laughs> but we, we appointed him, he was never a director of football before he came to Everton. And we, he, was scout. he was a scout. He was a scout. That's the thing. I just think the you whole thing's is a
2: screen for agents, backhanders, I really do. It's just, it really boils me head and it
0: just seems to cause more problems than it solves. It really does. I, I think it works. I, I, as as the team who've come tonight is an absolutely levelled show. If you've got a clear thread running through the football club, you've got some of the top of that football operation who who oversees everything, oversees the signings, oversees the manager. I mean, look at look at them. They, they lost they lost Graham Potter midway through the season to to Chelsea, and they brought in somebody there who fits their model that has been so clearly defined over so many years with players who fit that system because the identity from the top runs all the way down through the football club. We, we've never had that, and it might be to do with the fact that um, the director of footballs you have appointed aren't good enough. It might be to do with the fact that the owners are interfering. But either way, that goes back to the top. If you appoint people who are not good enough for the job, that's on the people at the top. If you interfere with people who are quite good at the job, that's on you as well. It, yeah. it, it, it all comes back to the very top of the football club. Can I make a very inflammatory Everton point here? Go
2: on. Who's Brighton's director of football? But it was Dan Ashworth, wasn't it? It's now him, he's in yeah. Newcastle. It's David Weir. Yeah.
1: Everton tried to get him. If Everton, tried Everton to appointed
2: get him. David Weir as director of football, straight away the fans would go, oh, jobs for the boys.
0: But the, that, the, 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 the thing Everton. is, if David Weir had come to Everton, he still would have had... Potentially, people around him interfering with, with his job and saying maybe you should sign this player or, or maybe we should appoint the manager because we, cause we you know. So, a little why bit sack better. anyone then? Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the entire point. Why, yeah. sack, anyone? why <laughs> sack the manager? Why
2: sack the board when we know there's one problem in this football club and they can't be sacked? Well, there, there
0: are numerous problems, but there's one big problem and they can't be sacked. This is, this is what
1: I wanted to lead on to here. And there are. Huge faults in the hierarchy of Everton Football Club. Um, There's nobody without any shred of blame for the way things are going. But the problem is, and you see it with all these fan protests, right? Every single fan protest is designed at getting rid of Kenwright, getting rid of Baxendale, getting rid of Sharp, right? You can do that tomorrow, I will not defend any of them in their jobs. Possibly Baxendale because she's, her side is more sort of the overall running as a business rather than the football operations and you look at things like the stadium and the, the, the sponsorship deals we're doing are the biggest in the club's history, etc. Nothing changes at Everton Football Club until Farhad Machiri's gone. Absolutely nothing changes until that man sells up and leaves because he will not he will not keep his hands off. He gets constantly involved in decisions. You saw that with the Benitez appointment. That was a yep. that was a Mashiri decision. Yep. You saw it when um Kuman came in. Kuman was a Mashiri decision. He picks the wrong managers at the wrong times. Amwar Al Ghazi. <laughs> was a machine signing to help his agent mate out, right? He played, what, 20 minutes for the yeah. club, if that, right? How much money did we give him over that six-month loan? I know it's not much in the grand scheme of things, but you've you got to assume he was on at least 50 grand a week mm. that we've paid him yeah. for six months, yeah? That's like, what, 200 grand a month? Over a million pounds we gave the man to play 20 minutes of football, yeah? Right? Nothing changes at Everton Football Club until that man's, until Farad Mashiri sells up and goes, right? All the protests, and I will support anyone's right to protest in any manner they choose, be it banners, be it sit-ins, be it staging a protest outside the ground and chant and sack the board, whatever. All power to you, right? I will not stop you trying to do that to try and make your club better, You've got the drive and the passion to do that and try and make Everton better. Good on you. I haven't got it in me. You do. Well done, right? Not one of these protests has called for Machini to sell up. There's your problem. There is your problem with Everton Football Club in a fucking nutshell, right? Bill Kenwright is still at Everton Football Club for one reason and one reason only. He is a lightning rod. He takes... The abuse, he takes the flack, he takes the fans' ire, and Machini will keep him involved the whole time because he knows this. He's not an idiot. The man's not an idiot. He's a very successful businessman. He's a self-made billionaire. Do you know what I mean? Right? He knows what he's doing. He's not going to get rid of Ken Wright and Everton's still shit and then the fans go, oh, well, maybe we need to turn on him next. He's, he's getting off scot-free. Turn your fucking anger on this man who is driving the football club into the ground and destroying it from within. Oof, yeah.
0: Sorry about that. I know. It's, so, I mean, it's... I'll,
1: um, I'll, get, I'll get off my soapbox,
0: do, do you want to send... I mean, after the Wofford game, Keith, you sent a and message to all our listeners. Are you in a position to do that again now, just, just to wrap it up? I mean, it's it's 2023.
1: It's a new year. If you ignore football... We've only got... I'll still to us. We've got less than two years left of a Tory government and then we can start to rebuild the country, <laughs> right? There are good times on the horizon. They might seem very far away, but for now, you've just got to keep the faith. As I said after Watford, take solace in your loved ones. Enjoy good times with good people. Try not to let Everton drive you off a cliff. I know it's hard, I know it's difficult because we all love them and they're, all, they're a huge part of all of our lives. But just yeah, just try and be happy. Have a nice time. Go out and touch some grass. Talk to a pretty girl or boy. Just try and enjoy your life. Don't let Everton ruin your life. Don't let Everton make you miserable. It's hard to say. like After we've spent, what, nearly an hour here, 40 minutes, ranting about the shower of <laughs> bastards but there are better things, as, um, as Sick Boy said in Trainspotting, there are better things in life than the needle rents. There are better things in life than Everton. Try and focus on them for a week or two and try not to get too upset about Friday when United put about seven past us. Um, after Watford, I ended up out in town and I got home at half past nine the next morning, so I'm praying to God that doesn't <laughs> happen tonight. But... Matt's given me the thumbs up. He's had a couple of brandies and there's no trains to take me home so I'm on a taxi anyway so this could be messy.
0: Can I just confirm it was Matt Flusk that gave you a thumbs up? Uh, I will not be staying out tonight 9am <laughs> in the morning <laughs> certainly uh, but we'll leave it there. Um, bad one. Really, really bad one for the Blues tonight. Um, as much as Keith said, go out, touch some grass, enjoy yourself, have a breath of fresh air. Uh, do listen to us over the next few days if you want some more Everton Misery because we've got the weekly coming we've got some weekly coming we've even got United preview coming as well um I know I know but uh yeah cheers for sticking with us all the way through that uh up the toffees speak to you soon Sports,
1: social podcast network